Mindfulness Mode 133. How are we connected to something that is bigger than ourselves? Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host, Bruce Langford. On Mindfulness Mode, we talk about how people from all walks of life have discovered mindfulness and how it's impacted their lives to help them become more calm, focused, and happy. Thanks so much for joining us here in Mindfulness Mode. To thank you for listening, I'll send you a free copy of my book. I teamed up with author Brian Tracy, along with some other entrepreneurs, to create the best-selling book called Cracking the Success Code. You'll learn more about my story and how I became an anti-bullying advocate, which later led to mindfulness and my mindfulness coaching. Get the book free at mindfulnessmode.com slash cracking. Enter your name and email and you'll have your book downloaded in no time. Enjoy the book, Mindful Tribe. Okay, Mindful Tribe, let's get started. I'm totally thrilled to have J.V. Crumb III on the line today. Hey, J.V., are you in mindfulness mode? You know, Bruce, I am in mindfulness mode. And in fact, I'm excited to be here because conscious and conscious evolution is really a huge portion of Conscious Millionaire. I have a nonprofit, Conscious World, where I work with young entrepreneurs and uh, I live in in uh, Colorado for a reason. Uh, there's a lot of people here that mindfulness is important to, and it's very important to me. Well, it's important to me too. And let me just say a little bit about JV. JV Crumb the Third helps established entrepreneurs create a big impact and big profits by growing businesses that make a difference in the world. He's a speaker, a coach a Huffington Post columnist, and number one best-selling author of the book Conscious Millionaire, Grow Your Business by Making a Difference. JV hosts the top-ranked Conscious Millionaire Show podcast. He is the founder and CEO of ConsciousMillionaire.com, a global coaching and entrepreneur training business. JV holds an MBA, JD, Masters in Psychology, and has built and sold successful companies. And he's featured in the upcoming movie, Rise Up. So, JV, tell us, I know you've written the book Conscious Millionaire. Tell us, what does mindfulness mean to you? Well, I think mindfulness is is very much so related to conscious. However, I think it has other components. And I think that mindfulness uh, specifically is about being in a being in a state, perhaps, that we reflect on what is the impact of what we're doing on other people? What is the impact on our own lives? What? So I look at it uh, in terms of yourself, others, and society. I like to bring those three together. So I think when we're mindful, we're, we really are aware at our core that we're all interconnected that there's uh, no such thing as something that I'm going to do that doesn't actually in some way affect someone in India that I've never met and may never meet because energetically we're all connected. And therefore, you know, the, the uh, kind of trademarked uh, symbol for conscious millionaire is this water uh, going out in all directions as if a pebble uh, was dropped into it. And I like to think of mindfulness as there's no such thing as a small action or a small thought or uh, a, a small emotion, that everything about our beingness impacts the rest of the world and everything about the rest of the world impacts us. When we approach our life from that kind of mindfulness, when we're at the grocery store and we're going through the line and we're being mindful of 
what might that cashier's day be like, right? Because, you know, male or female, they come into contact with literally hundreds of customers, many of whom are very rushed, some of whom are very angry or irritated, not happy with their day. And they're dealing with all of these people. So when I go through the line, one of the things I like to do is just take a moment to connect internally with that cashier and go, what is it that that cashier needs that I might be able to give them? And one way to do that is just to notice something that's true about them. You don't have to make up anything because there's something, if you just observe somebody for 30 to 60 seconds, you can always find something, you know, that you admire about them or that's positive about them. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, say it's an older woman who's having to do this, but her hair is really nice. So I know that it's really important for her to look good. And there might not be anybody coming along very often that says, hey, you look good. Your hair looks good, right? So I will give them some kind of a compliment or say something really pleasant to them about the service that I'm getting, how much I appreciate it, so that I can uplift them. Because I think mindfulness is about uplifting those around us. And in that uplifting of others, we get uplifted. Yeah, I think it is. I think that's a really good way to look at it, JV. And I really like what you said about how we're all interconnected. That's something that Dr. Wayne Dyer talked about a lot. And, you know, it's, it's just such a valuable way to look at the world. And I'm wondering, JV, when did you first start looking at the world that way? And how did you embrace that idea at the beginning? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think it's been an evolutionary experience for me, uh, personally, spiritually, consciously. I think all three ways that all of us are evolving. I was perhaps a little more aware for reasons I don't know. You know, why did I come into Earth at the time that I did? Uh, it seems to me that all my life there's been something magical about my life. Magical in the sense that I was aware from a very early stage in as best I could conceptualize it, as early as two and then even four, uh, that I was on some kind of a path. I didn't know what the path was about. It took me until I was an adult and I went through a lot of, you know, group work and sweat lodges and all this kind of stuff, you know, before you begin to really see, oh yeah, there's a path unfolding before me. But I can remember when I was four, I grew up in a little country town, two, 300 people. The, the country church was across the street from us. And at the age of four, I can remember asking my parents' friends, sitting them down and having very long conversations and asking them the question, what's the nature of God? And I think for me, that was my earliest seeking of what's this bigger experience called being a human being about. And I think it was an early question about connection. Because I, when everything is said and done, I think that the question about God and about spirituality and about mindfulness and about being conscious is all about how are we connected with ourselves? How are we connected with the world around us and the people around us? And how are we connected to something that is bigger than ourselves? I think every one of us, every, I, I work exclusively with entrepreneurs. So I love to help people who are entrepreneurs connect what it is they're providing their customers, how they're building their business with who they are and how do all those beautiful pieces of mosaic come together. And so I think what we're doing as human beings is all about connectivity. And, and in a way, maybe that was the question I was asking by what's the nature of God? What's the bigger picture going on here? 
Right. And I've, I've learned a lot about you. And I know that at that early age, you kind of seem to have a path in your mind. Can you talk a little bit more about that path that was beginning to develop? Yeah, surely. Well, on the financial end, um, my family was pretty financially challenged. I think that's a polite way of putting it. We didn't have a lot of money. <laughs> yes. And uh, by the age of five, I I grew up in a very strict household where I was very well trained as to how I was going to behave out in public. And you didn't say anything but yes, ma'am and yes, sir. And that was how I was taught. So I was taught that I did not ask for the candy bar when we went to the grocery store because we literally didn't have the extra money. And so you just didn't ask, you, you, you know, you, I prayed a lot that mommy would put <laughs> yes. uh, candy, mommy, oh, please boy. put, please put chocolate candy on the, uh, you know, on the grocery list. But I sure. knew not to ask that. And there was a day when I was five, um, I was actually standing by a kumquat tree of all things. Uh, so, and I had this almost a vision and in fact, conscious millionaire visualization is based on what I did, the internal experience I had, and that I saw myself growing up to be a millionaire. And it was so deep and so profound that I said, this is really the answer. Because I was as a little kid, I was looking for what was the answer for everything. And so I was going, well, we're kind of poor, you know, like we can call it lower middle class, call it whatever you want. We just didn't have a lot of money. No. And I said, I don't want to grow up and be like this. And that day changed my life because I remember coming and running into the house and telling, you know, mom and dad looking up and going, I'm going to be a millionaire when I grow up. <laughs> and my mom actually shook her fingers at me and said, don't tell anybody. Of course, being a good little boy, I did go around and told everybody. But when <laughs> I went to write my book, I asked myself because all of a sudden, one of the great things about writing a book, if you're contemplating writing a book, here's, here's, I think the number one reason it's not even all those people. And I've been very fortunate. A lot of people have read the book and, uh, and, and I hear from people and it's, and it's great. And as much help as you're going to be for other people, I want to assure you, you're going to be a bigger help for yourself because there's no way to write a book about any topic that relates to business or personal growth or spirituality or any of these areas without having to really examine your own life and ask yourself, how did I get from there to here? What happened? Right. And so I had to go back through my whole life and especially monumental moments and pivot moments in business and personal life and go, what happened that I was able to progress to the next level? What was going on? Because when we were living our lives, we don't actually know. And I realized that my mother, and this is an important piece of this, uh, this story, that my mother, because we lived across from the street, we were very religious, and in her mind, only bad people made that much money. People who had done criminal things, people who um, had manipulated and used people. And so what she was really saying to me was, wasn't don't, don't grow up and make a lot of money. What she was really saying is I want you to be a good boy when you grow up. Sure. But in that's her how mind, got, yeah. Yeah, but that's how it got communicated. And I think what's so important because we have to unravel that that journey that we took to get from where we began life to this moment in life. And along the way, we've internalized a lot of things. Now, fortunately, I didn't internalize what she said, because I was so focused in that moment on, I'm going to grow up and be a millionaire. But it would have been easy for me to internalize that and never have made any money. Which you happens know? to many, many people. Right. And that's why I, I bring this up, because if you're listening to this, I, first of all, um, it's an honor to be here, Bruce. And 
I think that the message you're bringing out to the world is so critical. And if you're on this podcast, you're listening to this, I think you're here for a reason. I don't, I don't believe there are accidents. I think we show up where we're supposed to show up. All we have to do is listen inside. If you're listening to this, you're supposed to hear everything that we have to say. And I, I really welcome you here. And if there's a part of you that's going, wait a minute, here I'm building a business, but I'm not able to make the financial success I want. There may be external pieces like your marketing or your business model, or you might not be clear about who it is that you're serving or what's that product they really want. What's the solution you're providing? But there also might be pieces internal. I work on those pieces as well because your mindset, which is the internal piece, is also about all the beliefs you've internalized. Uh, it's the view that you have of the world. And if the view you have of the world is it's bad to have a lot of money, it's going to be very difficult to get to that first million. It sure is. Yeah, it really is. And so many people have trouble with that. Now, tell us about your first million. How did you make that happen? Sure. Um, well, my father had a trucking line, but he had, I, he never really was very financially successful. And basically, it was on the verge of bankruptcy. I was finishing my first um, graduate degree, which is the master's in, in psychology, and he said, will you come work with me? Well, it really didn't have anything to do with what I was interested in, but I deeply loved my father and we talked about it for a month and I said, okay, I'll come work for six months and then I'm going to go to law school. And what I found was I was pretty natural at this, that I just kind of knew what to do. Now I've mm -hmm. decoded all of that and I teach that to other people, but I had some instincts about what to do. I see. And day after day I did them. And within three months, I had a weekend that I was, I've always been numbers, you know, oriented. I love numbers. I love right. just, you know, looking at spreadsheets and all of this. And I spent the weekend, you know, looking at all the numbers because we were pulling hundreds of loads every week. But at the end of the week, when I paid bills, there was nothing left and we still owed money. Now, having never had a business course or read any business books, I didn't know anything about accounting. I didn't, I didn't have any of that kind of background. So I sat down and I just ran through all the numbers for the whole weekend. And I remember that Sunday night, I called my dad and I, it was like Eureka. I had discovered water on the planet, right? And I said, <laughs> dad, I now know why we aren't making any money. We're paying out more every week than we take in. <laughs> now, now, while that seems laughable now, every moment in our journey as entrepreneurs and business owners we have moments of awareness and only until it's obvious to us can we really do anything about it. When we're not yet conscious of something, we can't make a new decision. So that that's one of the reasons that I've learned. I Right now I'm working with three different coaches. It's one of the reasons I coach is that other people can see me and my business, no matter how smart I might be or any of that other stuff or what education I have, somebody else can see it differently than I can. Because they're looking from the inside out. So sure. I was really looking at the business from the outside because I was the guy coming in and going, well, I want to help my dad. And my dad was looking at it from the inside of, I just can't pay my bills. Right. And so what I did was the next day, Monday, I called clients and I said, we can't keep providing you services at these rates. And I, in one day, got as much as 25% rate increases. Well, needless to say, when you're pulling hundreds of loads, that's a lot of difference in money. Sure. And that works so well that a month later, I said, 
I started looking at all of our costs, all the parts we were, we were getting, uh, having mm-hmm. trucks and trailers repaired. And I said, Dad, guess what? I think we got the problem on the other side, too. We're spending too much money. So I was beginning to have a difference between the money that came in and what we were spending, but I was getting, oh, we need to cut all these costs, too. So that led to us in the in the fourth month to go out and um, create our own maintenance center, hire a couple of uh, mechanics, you know, lease a place, and all of a sudden put together preventive maintenance programs. And then I went to every supplier and I said, you know what? It's time for us to take some new bids. And we're going to get a bid from you, but I'm going to get a bid from a couple other people. And I remember somebody asked me, they said, well, will you tell us who you're getting bids from? And there was that little, I can still remember it. Gosh, I was, I was 20, 23 years old. And I said, no, no, I can't tell you that. You're just going to have to give me your bids. And from that day forward, I took what I call blind bids. Nobody knew who else was bidding and I never gave anybody anybody's rates. And guess what? You get some pretty good rates when people want to get your business. They're still going to get rates where they can make a profit, but you get much better rates. And then I would lock people in and say, okay, I'm going to work with you for a year. Uh, as long as all the service is good and everything, we get it. You know, you know, you've got our business for a year and that's how I built relationships with people. And frequently 10 years later, I was doing business with the same person. And guess what? It's the same way we built our relationships with customers. We would go to them and say, Hey, let's, let's do business for a year. If you're happy, then let's do business longer. And we would build very long-term relationships that way. Right. And it sounds like there was still a magical aspect to your life. Like you had that ability to be mindful with your relationships and to be mindful with the numbers. And you just made this all happen. And so I'm wondering, I want to jump ahead to when you wrote your book and you really wanted to spread the word to the world about being conscious. How difficult was that? How did you approach that (laughs) mindfully? Because, you know, everybody says, you know, writing a book, that's the toughest thing. Tell us about that. It is tough. Um, well, first of all, I came to Conscious Millionaire. I was skiing for six months. I was looking for my purpose at that point. I'd sold the companies. I was, you know, being in different places and I was uh, staying in Reno, but skiing Lake Tahoe for the winter. Right. Mm-hmm. And I went over to San Francisco with about a three and a half hour drive for the weekend. And I looked down and I saw this um, brochure. It was actually maybe about 40, 50 pages thick about an upcoming green festival, which I knew nothing about. And I just intuitively said, oh, I should pick that up. So I did, you know, put it in my SUV and uh, I went home Sunday and I was renting a place that had a fireplace, had a jacuzzi, you know, it was Mm -hmm. very California-like. And I got in the jacuzzi and I'm going through this and I look down and I see the word conscious. Now we all get our insights and intuition differently. I get mine very visually and kinesthetically And literally in my forehead, I saw the phrase conscious millionaire and I got a tingling in my spine and I said, that's it. That's what I've been looking for because I knew I wanted to create some kind of program that would make a big difference in people's lives, but I didn't know exactly what it was. And of course, being the good attorney after I kind of sat and enjoyed that for a while, I got out, took consciousmillionaire.com, followed my trademarks. Right. And about a year later started going, oh, I should write a book. I thought this would be a one-time through thing. I actually wrote the book seven full times um, over several years, and each time it got refinement, and I understood in a more deep way what it was I wanted to present to people. And 
you know, if you're ever writing a book or doing anything, I want to give you some encouragement because I, even my closest friends were, you know, by the time I got to the third year of doing this, they said, are you writing another book? And I go, no, I'm still on the first one. I go, well, when's it going to be done? I said, when it's ready, which disturbed a lot of people, (laughs) right? Because they wanted like July 12th. I go, when it's ready, it will be Mm -hmm. done. And you know what? When it was ready, I knew it was ready and that was it. And within a few months, then it was uh, published. But I kept reworking it to get it to where I wanted it to be so that I would have the information in it that would be useful to people that were building businesses and wanted to be conscious about it. They wanted to be honest. They wanted to have integrity. They wanted to do something that came out of their heart that made a difference in the world. And they wanted to build a business that had a lot of profits. And what are the steps you need to take? What are the things that you need to do? And I wanted to provide that to them so they'd really have a handbook to build your business. Well, it's one thing to write an amazing book, which you've done, but then how did you get it to the point where it was a number one book on Amazon? Yeah, well, that's a lot of tactical things, but I'm going to give you the big overview was that you really have to, I did, a, I think it was on the fourth launch, maybe third third launch, maybe the third launch. So I did three different launches on Amazon and the first two, it got number one in say several categories. Mm-hmm. But on the, you know, I'd learned a lot and I worked with a friend that I taught him and then he started a, you know, a program where he was helping people do it. And we, you know, we just really worked together. And in a very, I think it was like three days, we got almost 50,000 just from that one. And that launch, we got number one in 34 categories at the same time that lasted for six hours. Now on Amazon, that's a long time. And that made it the number one book on Amazon, uh, all, uh, all of Amazon. And, um, so it was a very coordinated, I'm a person who's very much a systems thinker. So Mm -hmm. it was a very carefully thought out methodical approach that we took a couple of months planning and then just executed like crazy over about a 72 hour period. Right. Well, it certainly is an excellent book. That's for sure. So, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mindful Tribe, if you have not read this book, you're just going to love it. JV, I've worked in bullying prevention for over a decade. It's been just my love. It's I was a teacher before that, and I really wanted to do something that I felt would make a difference in the world. And I've seen how the practice of mindfulness can make a huge difference in the lives of children or adults who have been bullied. I'm wondering, JV, if you have a story about a bullying situation where mindfulness would have made a difference. Yeah, actually I do. In in elementary school, I was bullied a lot and it wasn't, it wasn't very pleasant some days going to school because I knew I was going to get bullied. I was a very shy with, I, I, people just go, this is impossible. No, no, actually it's not. I was very shy and withdrawn and timid even, uh, at that point in my life. And so when I went to school, I'd be, you know, people would just, you know, pick on me, make fun of me, mm-hmm. put me down, uh, which made me feel really miserable inside. So I know exactly what that feels like and to have gone through that experience. And then the magical thing, the really good thing is that as adults, we become more mindful. We become more conscious. We become aware that we can change our patterns and in my 30s, I was still the guy who would go to a networking event and was still so shy inside that about two hours before the networking event, 
I would start getting this big knot. Is that right? Which really relates back to the bullying, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'd go to the, go to the network. It wasn't like anybody was going to bully me there, but we keep those memories, right? Yes. And I'd go to the network event. I would literally get a drink, sit in the corner, and watch my watch to see how long before I could leave. Because I would make up like, okay, you got to be there for an hour and a half, you know, to do your networking thing, which of course I wasn't networking. Right. And then I would leave and I was like so relieved to finally leave. <laughs> And I did a lot of work, uh, nine years of training in NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. And that training really helped me learn rapport skills, helped me learn how to shift all kinds of things inside of myself. And I went from being this kind of timid, uh, somewhat shy, a little bit withdrawn, to being this gregarious guy who goes to a networking event or goes to a conference, and I'm there to meet everybody. You know, I travel a lot by myself and people go, well, don't you get lonely? And I go, no, I just start talking to the person next to me. I'm never lonely, actually, uh, because I've learned how to do that. I think what's important about that is that even if you've been bullying, bullied and you're listening to this, I want you to know that you can change those patterns because they're just internal patterns and we have memories about them, but we can change who we are. And that's the, you know, I think that's a miraculous thing about being a human being is that we can reflect on it, be mindful about it and make a new conscious choice. Yeah, I do too. I really think that's a wonderful thing. And we, there's so many ways for us to learn how to do that. And speaking of that, could you expand a little bit about NLP and tell Mindful Tribe really what that is about and how we can use that in our lives? Sure. Absolutely. Well, I was very fortunate because I came upon NLP in the late 80s. So this was, you know, I was in my 20s and I started training in it and trained for nine years with everybody who was really doing it. Bandler, Tad James, uh, you know, my main people were uh, uh, Marianne and Ed Reese who had been, did a lot of work with with Bandler. So neurolinguistic programming, I, I would say in a nutshell, it's looking at our language patterns about how our language and sensory patterns and the order in which they occur that result in a certain outcome and then making shifts in those to create a different outcome. And I think in the bottom line, that's really what it's about, which is why it's such a powerful technology because if you change, say, the order or even in the visual, say something was still and now you're going to make it moving or you're going to give it bright colors, making changes like that, which you can learn. Everybody can learn this. It's not that hard to learn. You just have to go through training. And there are a lot of places you can get training. So I really advise anyone who's on a path where they want to do a lot of personal growth in their life, go take some course uh, and depending on how much you want to learn and how long that course is, you can get the practitioner uh, training that's typically 10 days, but it might be spread out over 10 months or, you know, some people might do it in a different format. But you will you will change your life by just going through an NLP training. Oh, that's great. I found it really, really helpful myself. And and I, I really encourage others to try that all the time. JB, my next questions are part of the multi-mode round. Just short 30-second answers are perfect. Here's the first one. Who is one person who has influenced your mindfulness practice? 
I, w- I would say Carol Yankar, who became a friend. She was a mentor. I did a lot of work with her. Uh, I think of her as my spiritual mother. And she really helped me understand and and learn to reflect on my life and see the path that I was on and that no matter what had happened in my past, it was part of a mosaic that was leading to the person I am today and who I was becoming tomorrow. How has mindfulness affected your emotions, JV? Much more equanimous. So from meditation, from focusing on being conscious and mindful, I react so much less and reflect much more. And I'm also much more frequently in a state of just acceptance of who I am and the moment that I'm in, which makes for a much smoother ride through life. Yeah, it really does. Tell us how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice. Well, it's very much part of my mindfulness practice because the meditation I do is Vipassana meditation, which if you've done that, I went and lived at a Buddhist monastery uh, for seven weeks, did a a closed retreat and uh, focused just on learning to meditate. I mean, there were days that we did 12 hours of meditation in silence, which some people would go, that's horrors. It is, it is a little, uh, you definitely, you definitely encounter yourself, but I actually loved it. And the whole meditation I do is just focusing on my breath and realizing that that is the real life force. The difference between a human being that's alive and a human being that's dead is whether they're breathing. Really it is. And uh, I, I use breathing when I'm, uh, when I'm teaching courses. Uh, very frequently I'll begin that course and end that course trainings with us taking three slow breaths in and out together. And it's amazing in just three breaths, how present you become. If you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that be? I'm thinking of, um, Pima children. And, um, I would choose any of her books because, uh, she's Pima children's, uh, a monastery is where I went. And so I met with Pima children while I was there. It's Gapo Abbey, which is up on the uh, Cape Breton area of uh, Nova Scotia. It's the only Tibetan Buddhist monastery outside of uh, Tibet. And uh, I, I think any of her books are, are really wonderful. Okay, great. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful? I actually don't have an app that I'm using. A lot of them have been recommended on my show. Um, I just... Uh, haven't used any of them, you know, to be really quite straightforward. Sure. Sure. Of course. What advice would you give a person who is new to the idea of mindfulness and they'd like to start using it in their life? Well, I'm going to recommend another book, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. I, I love Thich Nhat Hanh. And there is a book, it's 57 pages long. It's read. I think I have it memorized. I've read it so many times and I gave it to so many people and it's his explanation of the heart sutra which is a a hard sutra is about a page and a half long, but he really explains in such a beautiful way about how everything is interconnected. And to me, that's the heart of mindfulness is realizing that who we are and everything around us is all interconnected and that we are on this journey together. Great suggestion. JV, it has been such a pleasure to spend this time with you. And I know that Mindful Tribe is going to really enjoy all the ideas, suggestions, and tips that you've given us. Tell us, how can we learn more about what you do and how can we connect with you further? 
Well, I mean, I would love for you to come listen to the podcast. You can go to consciousmillionaire.com. Uh, there's a tab podcast and then uh, listen to our podcast. I'd love for you to subscribe. And and we're here five days a week interviewing uh, entrepreneurs, coaches who are taking a more conscious path, who work with entrepreneurs to help them grow to get to their first million, which is our real focus at Conscious Millionaire, how to take a business that exists and get to that first million because that is a major turning point in your life. When you get to that first million, you now have the kind of profits and cash flows that change your life, what you can do for your children, what you can do for your family, what you can do for your retirement, what you can do for people in your community, for causes you care about. And once you get to that first million, what, what people say really is true. The second million is a lot easier. It's the first million. So I love working with people, especially on that path. And I'd love to give everybody who's listing uh, kind of a package that's worth $126. I want to give you a digital copy of my book. It's got over 100 coaching uh, pieces in it. It's 14 chapters. And so it it is a book that really is a handbook about how to build your business in a, on a conscious path from a heart-paced and very practical, you know, habits and how to build your business model, how to do your goals, how to create a one-year plan so that you're going to really have a successful business. And along with that, they can get, it's a $97 program. I'm going to give them to you free. It's a companion program called Fast Track Training that's got, I believe there's 16 videos, there's audios, there's downloadable PDFs. There's a companion journal, which has all the coaching from the book all there for you so that you can just do all of your work in one place and you have a journal for that. And to get that, just go to consciousmillionaire.com forward slash free book. That's consciousmillionaire.com forward slash free book. That's just as if it were one word, free book. And all we ask is just we're going to ask you a few questions so we know more about you. And then you can get your free book and also um, the fast track training. And it's all free. Oh, thank you so much. That is just fantastic. I really appreciate talking to you, JV. And I would just wish you all the best. Have a great rest of your day. Well, Bruce, thank you so much. It's been my privilege and honor to be here with you. Great. Thank you. Bye now. Thank you so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For insightful blog articles and show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by clicking on the iTunes link on our website and leave a rating and review. Wow, I just loved talking with J.V. Crumb III. What a terrific interview, and thank you for joining us today. Oh, by the way, don't forget to download the free book that I mentioned at the beginning, Cracking the Success Code, the one that I did with Brian Tracy. It really is a great book with chapters by other entrepreneurs as well. I think you'll enjoy it. Go to mindfulnessmode.com forward slash cracking. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.